Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my name's Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. Gamescom, a European showcase for publishers to show how they're getting on with some of the big forthcoming titles has been on this week, giving us plenty of gaming announcements. But which ones should you be paying attention to? Pocalint's Rick Henderson is here to tell us all the big news that matters. Ever thought about owning a robotic pet? Well, that's exactly what Ageless Innovation wants you to think about. Born out of the lifelike for real range of toys at Hasbro, and now its own company, I've been chatting to the CEO about how and why it's creating pets that bring comfort, companionship and fun to elder loved ones. And Pocket Lens Reviews editor Mike Lowe has been using the new Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 smartphone and is here to tell us whether it's any good. Is it third time lucky for the smartphone giant on the foldable front? Stay tuned to find out. But first, back to you Rick, what's been happening at Gamescom? Well, um, Xbox is possibly the king of Xcom um, in the fact that it not only uh, produced the cl- its cloud gaming for Xbox consoles, which will which will come to in a bit. Um, but actually, two genuine hardware announcements, or in fact, mm. three if you count a Forza Horizon Five Xbox wireless controller. But um, the biggest hardware announcement at the show was the Xbox Series X Halo Infinite Edition. Basically, it's the first uh, of probably many limited edition versions of the new next-gen Xbox consoles. This one sort of carved to look like it's straight out of Halo Infinite, the forthcoming game, um, and you get a controller to suit. There was also an, a Halo Master Chief version of the Elite Wireless Controller Series 2. That's Xbox's Pro Controller that costs well over £100. Um, that uh, essentially gives you extra buttons on the back and a more robust feel, uh, a wired, better connection. Um, so they're really pushing. They're really pushing Halo, basically. Yeah. Uh, the game think, announcement. Do you think this yeah, is going to be? Do you think this is going to be a, a a new tax for for Xbox? I mean, you know, the cloud stuff allows it to be everywhere, doesn't it? And so they obviously have to make the hardware a bit more special. And so do you think this is like there's going to be a Halo is the first of many or do you think this is a one-off? Well, it's it's the first of many for starters. I mean, this is not something new to to Xbox. Um, we had an awful lot of special edition Xbox uh, Ones, Xbox One Xs. However, what is perhaps surprising about this is it's quite early in the run. Mm. I mean, some people can't even get hold of a normal Xbox Series X, let alone a Halo edition. So um, it's it's normally about two to three years into a run of a console, both PlayStation and Xbox start releasing special edition versions that are themed games and have pretty fancy sort of decals all over them. This is very early on, um, but it shows not just um, uh, Xbox's commitment to producing new hardware, but also Xbox's commitment to Halo Infinite, which um, 
has had a trouble development phase. So it's trying to say, look, guys, everything is fine with Halo. Uh, it's coming out 8th of December, and uh, and we're trying to push it with extra hardware anyway. So essentially, you know, it, it's brought all its plans forward. It's interesting that you say about the cloud gaming, though, however, because there are some out there that might not want to buy an Xbox Series X at all. Mm. And that's because um, the greatest news, I think, from Gamescom was that Xbox is bringing cloud gaming to the Xbox One and the Xbox Series X and S. But the Xbox One is perhaps the most interesting part because you will be able to play Xbox Series X versions of games on your Xbox One through Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for free. So why would you upgrade? Um, because there are caveats. There are caveats to that. Firstly, it is played over the cloud, and if you're a really hardcore gamer, the, the latency still isn't absolutely perfect. It's sure. not entirely the same as if you're playing it on the console itself. However, uh, and also, sorry, the other one is that it will only run in 1080p, of course, without Dolby Atmos. So you there is still a reason to, to yeah. upgrade to a, to a new console. How? But, and the big but is that these, you know, you'll be able to play Microsoft Flight Simulator on Xbox One. And the version of Forza Horizon 5, which will work on Xbox One anyway, but the better next-gen version of it with ray tracing support, et cetera, et cetera. So um, while it is only 1080p, it will still look far better than if you're running it locally on your Xbox One. And that will be a really good kicker for people who either can't afford to upgrade or can't find the console in the shops, which is an awful lot of people anyway. Yeah, I mean, I can just imagine some poor child on Christmas Day thinking that he's got an Xbox Series X and it's just a card saying, here's your cloud gaming pass (laughs) to upgrade. I feel like, what? What is when this? I was a, if Xbox Game Pass was available when I was a kid, I would have just you'd never have got me out of the room. I would just you know, so, I mean, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate download games is now well over three hundred games. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate Cloud games is now well over two hundred games. There's a lot of gaming available. Of gaming. So it's, it's not a lot of games. It's called Gamescom, not yeah, not Xboxcom. So was there anything else from anybody else? Yeah, PlayStation traditionally avoids Gamescom. Um, it has done for the last three or so years. Um, so there wasn't an awful lot of PlayStation stuff, although we did get to see a uh, an extended gameplay trailer of Death Stranding Director's Cut, the absolutely bonkers game that came out for PS4 that's getting a PS5 overhaul. Um, however, but n- not much else for PlayStation from PlayStation itself. Um, the biggest, for me, the biggest games uh, to also be announced and also be shown for the first time was Saints Row, which is a complete reboot of the Saints Row franchise, getting rid of all the bonkers alien nonsense that they brought in, um, sort of like Saints Row 3 and 4. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, uh, what was the other one that really stood out for me was perhaps, um, yeah, that was it. <laughs> Look, the truth is, the truth is, and I don't think this is Gamescom's fault, but the truth is, I think that online-only games shows uh, are not great. And the reason being is that why would a publisher 
save their announcement for an online games convention when it can just do it itself. Yeah. So most of the games we saw at Gamescom were extra trailers for games that have already been announced, such as Call of Duty Vanguard, Far Cry 6, all these games we've already seen quite a lot of already. So essentially, Gamescom is a good place to see new gameplay of games that you already know about. Still to come, Mike gives us his verdict on the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 smartphone. It's really hard. I mean, two minds, it's sort of like, it's a bit too big as an everyday thing, mainly in its folded format, actually. It's also massively expensive, but it's a lot of fun. And I think it's kind of, it's so rare in tech that you get something that's like really quite different and it's so new. Recent research shows that robotic animals are alleviating loneliness amongst older people who live alone, who have fewer social connections, or are living with dementia or Alzheimer's. But can boosting someone's morale be as simple as giving them a robotic pet to care for? Yes, said Ted Fisher, CEO of Aged Innovations, the company that makes the Joy for All companion pets range a market leader in the space. Keen to find out more about everything from who buys a robotic pet to what's in store for the future, I started by asking why make a robotic pet in the first place. We we began this journey back uh, as part of Hasbro, which is, uh, as you know, the world's largest toy maker. And I was brought into the company to think about ways to leverage Hasbro's assets in new markets and new channels. And we chose health and wellness as sort of a big bucket and uh, we really leaned into insights that the company had had for decades. Um, and one of the, the, the insights that really jumped out at us was um, a product that was launched 20 or so years ago that was intended for four to eight year old girls. Uh, that was the category. Uh, I think they've changed those categories. I don't think they're specific today as they were. But um, about 20% of the reviews were mom not buying it for their four to eight year old daughter, but buying it for an aging loved one. And the reviews were the type of reviews that would make you stop and uh, and think about impact. And um, uh, honestly, you know, there's a lot of great reviews on Nerf out there. People love the Nerf toys, but not many of them will make you cry. Um, the reviews about these, uh, the impact of, of these animatronic pets and toys uh, would really stop you and, and make you think. So that was the initial insight uh, that we had that... Um, you know, the older adults, uh, there, were, there were a few things going on. One, there was a need for interactive companionship as the uh, population of older adults explodes. And what we found unequivocally is that older adults want more fun and joy and play in their life. And there really was, as we did our research, a void of companies that were thinking about that side of aging and the joyful side of aging, as we like to say. So uh, that was the initial insight. And we did a, a bunch of research over a number of months and found that, uh, you know, the, the initial insight was absolutely true that, um, you know, one, uh, as loneliness and isolation and other issues that were facing older adults and their families as families spread apart and those type of things was increasing, the need for some type of companionship, for some joy, some fun, some play in their lives was increasing. Uh, and we set out to address that. And that's really uh, how, how we began the process. And before we talk about the the older generation and, and that aging population that you're talking about, I, I suppose Hasbro is, and this is presumably what you're referring to, is, is the for real range at Hasbro. And, Correct. And how much did you learn from those toys 
um, you know, all the way from as butterscotch and, and things like that, wasn't it? The, the, yeah. You know, as you, as you crow through it, and we've covered those for, for some time on, on, on Pocket as well. So how much did you learn from that experience of, of the general technicalities and, and, and things of that range that then comes through to to these new these new uh, pets? From, yeah, from actually, George. actually quite a bit. And so, you know, one of the things that, that you have at your disposal when you're at a company like Hasbro is tremendous resources. And so um, there's an area of Hasbro called the Fun Lab. And uh, that Fun Lab on any given day is a place where, you know, mostly children come to play with new toys and concepts. And there's people behind the glass wall, you know, taking notes of, you know, feverishly wondering what's easy, what's not easy, what's, uh, you know, they're attracted to. Uh, well, we started to bring a whole different population into the fun lab. And really it was there where we saw the impact of, of these for real uh, line of products. Um, the, what was interesting is, is as much as they sort of gravitated, because they were, we showed them a lot of different things, a lot of concepts, you know, arts and crafts and uh, tablet-based things and those type of things. And the pets were the gravitation. It's where people went. And and that line over time had gotten much more toyetic. It, when it started 25 years ago or so, it was really focused on more pet-like products. And mm -hmm. over time, it became a unicorn or a dragon or a lion and those type of things. And um, what we, we saw unequivocally is that older adults wanted realism. They wanted the familiarity of, of, a, of a sort of domestic pet that, that they were familiar with. And, and so that's when we went to work to really redesign the product uh, and create what we have today. Now, a recent survey, uh, a study actually, not survey, sorry, a recent study suggested that robotic pets are an effective solution for alleviating loneliness. Why, why do you think that is? And, and what makes, I suppose for the naysayers that are listening, you know, what makes someone go oh this is just a toy like why do they not think that and and and, and how does that happen yes i think there's two a few different parts of that one is um that interactive piece is so important and so when we created the joy for all companion pets the idea was a give and take you gave something you got something back so you give a pet or a hug or a nuzzle and you get a, a, a meow or a bark or mm. a, a t wagging tail or some reaction so that there is actually an interaction happening it's not just an inanimate you know stuffed animal where you're petting it and there's sort of nothing coming back to you um, so that's where we created things like vibrapur and bark back technology because um, what, what really sets i think our product apart is what we heard from older adults repeatedly was the need for realism. So everything from paw pads to tapered whiskers to the things that they found very important. And it's how we created some of the technologies that are, you know, I, I think get the best response, right? Vibrapur. What we heard from older adults is that cats, when they purr, they really tactically vibrate. They, they, there's a feeling their, their bodies vibrate while they're purring. And that tactile piece was so important to, you know, cat lovers and pet lovers uh, that we created this, this vibrant purse. So when our cat purrs, it actually has a tactile vibration that you can feel. And so if it's sitting on your lap, it's more than just sort of you're, you're petting or stroking, you know, this pet, you're getting this feedback. Um, and so I think that's a, that's a big part of it. And I, and I think, you know, we've, there's been plenty of doubters uh, over time. And, you know, uh, my, my favorite moments are the ones where the doubters witness an older adult receiving our product for the first time, opening the box, naming it Fluffy, 
and you know the magic starts to happen. And I think, you know, that that has been something that never gets old. Six years later, uh, and we've spun out of Hasbro since then, and now Ageless is its own company uh, for about the last three and a half years, and we still every day are committed to you know leveraging that unique moment uh, and what it means for the relationship that then gets built. And as these studies have proven. Um, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I say this uh, quite often is that, you know, when people are happy, they feel better. And and so we're, we're trying to do is create happiness and joy. And, and really, uh, that's that's the, what I think is has been the differentiator. Now, one of the things that a lot of companies in this position, you know, they come up with something they think, oh, it's going to be interactive. It's going to be great. And then suddenly there's an accompanying app and then there's download software updates and all these kind of things. And it doesn't feel like you've gone down that route. Is that because of the age range that you're appealing to, or is that because of a technical sort of reluctance to do that, or just that it's not needed? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I, I think it's it's sort of a little bit of all of what you just said, but I think initially, you know, again, it, I, I may have been one of those doubters early on when this concept was being built, right? When I was thinking, when we were, the team was thinking about this, I was thinking to myself, could, could there really be a, a market for this? Could there really be people who, who would, are willing to buy these for their family or older adults that will actually love them? Um, and, and so, you know, we, we didn't want to complicate it. I think the simplicity, there's a lot of technology inside of our product but it's all self-contained. There's no app, there's no downloads, there's no information being you know, gathered. Um, it's very simple. And, and so I think that simplicity is part of the magic. I think it's part of what's made it successful because you don't have to read the instructions. You don't have to, you know, you, again, someone gives it to you and, and because of your, your past memories of, of pets or, you know, uh, things that you've bonded with over time, it, it just, there's a natural thing that takes over. And so we didn't want to complicate that. And we're very protective of that because we get asked that question quite often. Why isn't this a connected device? It, and I'm not saying it never will be. Uh, I'm just saying that it, whatever we do, if we go down that road, it will never interrupt the relationship that we believe happens because of the simple uh, and joyful, uh, you know, feelings that, that older adults have towards these products. And so with that in mind, where's, where's next? Where do you, you know, is it, is it more variations on cats and dogs or is it, there are other animals that you, you think would be appealing and, and, and how do they get more technologically advanced if they need to? Yeah. So a uh, couple of things. One, we recently announced within the last month, we announced our newest uh, product, which is called the Walker Squawker. And the Walker Squawker is a line of animatronic birds that uh, are intended to be perched on a walker. Um, And it was actually the innovator and entrepreneur that designed this product is a 93-year-old woman named Rita. Amazing. And Rita Rita is spectacular. And Rita, for 90 years of her life, didn't need a walker. But when she hit 90 and then her family was getting mad at her all the time because she was forgetting her walker. She said, well... You know, why don't you try something you've been doing for 90 years and then just one day someone says you've got to change how you're doing it and, you know, expect them not to forget. And she said, wouldn't it be wonderful if we had if I had something on my walker that helped me remember it, that made it more fun, that made it more engaging. 
And she had this idea, maybe a little bird. And, and so they brought the idea to us uh, and we worked with Rita and we are so excited that uh, in, in late fourth quarter, maybe first quarter of next year, we're going to um, you know, tr truly launch. So we announced the launch, but we've, uh, we've got prototypes and they're being designed and developed right now. But uh, it's a little bird that'll, that'll sit there and, and hopefully make the relationship with your walker a little bit more engaging, a little bit more fun. Um, and the birds will they'll talk to each other if there's another walker squawker in range and other things. And um, that's so that's on the docket. And then um, uh, a couple of years ago, we won a National Science Foundation grant with Brown University. Uh, and that is an effort to explore adding artificial intelligence artificial intelligence to our platform right. and so um we're a couple years or so into that process and uh, again if we are to do something like that um we're going to be very very careful about not interrupting in any way the important uh you know bonded relationship that uh, that our older adults have with our products it'll be to you know uh assist in some other way or make it more uh deepen the experience if you will that's the intent now, when I first heard of, of the company, and, and presumably probably thought this as well when I saw the For Real products for the first time, it was very much reminding me of uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which Blade Runner was eventually based upon. Um, in that, robot pets are the only pets because it's deemed that it's too expensive or too hasslesome to, to own a real pet. Do you think we'll ever get to that moment? I don't think so, um, nor do I think we need to get to that moment. Uh, I, I think, you know, we say this all the time. We're not trying to replace, uh, you know, the, a real pet. We're not trying to. What we're trying to do is, and it's a fact, we know that there are people who at different stages in their life for whatever reason, whether it's health, whether it's change in residential settings, whether it's, you know, just the inability to afford uh, to take care of a real pet. We think if you can have a real pet and that brings you joy and it's wonderful, well, that's awesome. We love it. Um, but we just know there's a certain set of the population that can't. And, you know, we don't think that means you should have to go without, um, you know, that love and comfort and, and fun that you can have uh, with, with a pet. And so um, I don't see the day that uh, there's only robotic pets, but I do know that um, you know, as this, as our population in general in most developed countries ages uh, at the rate that we are, um, there, there's going to be more and more need for sure. The Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 3 is one of those few wow moment devices to arrive in 2021. Not because it's a huge advancement over its predecessor, but because that massive foldable screen is probably unlike anything else you've ever seen before. But is being ambitious truly enough to sell a foldable device over the current norm? Pocalint's Mike Lowe has been living with the Z Fold 3 for a full week to see if this is the future or simply an overambitious foldable flop. So Mike, what's it like? It's a phone like no other, really, because it's a big unfoldable device and that is just unrivaled, unmatched and really quite exciting in a way. Not necessarily 100% practical, not totally for everyone, but it's really kind of one of those devices that's at least nodding to the future or kind of, I mean, imagine showing it to someone three years ago and it would have gone, no, that can't be real. I mean, it's really, hmm. it's an impressive kind of statement of, hey, we can do this. Um, and it shows off some pretty, some pretty cool things in what foldables can bring.
Okay, so I've got a number of questions, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the fold three, not the flip. There's obviously two form factors. Yep. They've obviously this is the bigger model, isn't it? The fold is is yeah. It's the bigger of the two. Is this them just hedging their bets on which one you want to go for, or did you find that there's actual practicality in having the bigger device? I think they're quite different. So the fold, um, imagine it kind of. It's almost like two normal smart smartphones side by side once you've unfolded it. Okay. Whereas the flip by comparison is like half a phone until you unfold it and then it's completely normal. Um, so I kind of see the flip as being more kind of like a smartwatch when it's closed down if you don't wear one and you can glance at the little screen and open it when you need to. Whereas the fold is kind of, it's a normal or relatively normal phone, admittedly much chunkier, um, until you unfold it and then it's, skirting along the lines of being a tablet almost but not quite um so it's very much like a two-handed phone so i see them as being quite 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 different things the flip is more like the motorola razor which kind of has a longer history the fold is kind of fairly out there on its own um in terms of what's on the market except for some chinese stuff that we just won't get here like huawei has a similar kind of device but otherwise it's pretty much the only thing you can get that's like this Right. Now, when you were using it, mm-hmm. I've seen when before in the days when we all used to travel on the trains and stuff, you see people having uh, a regular smartphone and then they've got one of those leather cases where on the left hand side is all their credit cards and, you know, store cards and all the other stuff. And then when they come to make the phone call, they're kind of like they're just they're on they've got this thing against their head and then the leather case is just like covering half their face. <laughs> when you came to take a call on it, did, did you find that you'd like you just you're wrapping a screen around your face or how does that how does that work um i never tried taking a call with it open i have to say (laughs) you kind of close it so it's fine to take calls with but the obvious kind of can i call it a compromise it's kind of a compromise really is that when you've got this thing shut it's pretty much like having two phones sandwiched together in your hand it's uh it's like 16 mil thick it's like two two phones that's not small so most of the time I found you don't really want to use it in that format. So as a sort of phone phone, it doesn't feel completely like the way it wants to be used. But then because the big screen inside, which is like seven and a half inches across, is just so much bigger and sort of stuff is so much more. And it's not too difficult to hold when it's open. That's kind of the way I default kind of used it. And now having got used to that and moved out of it since, Everything now feels very small and tiny. <laughs> mm. Yeah, but I find sometimes find that when I'm testing like the Apple Pro Max or what used to be the old Pluses, oh, you'd, yes. you'd go there and you'd get used to it very quickly and then you'd go yeah. back to a smaller phone. You're like, oh my goodness, this is tiny. Yeah, it feels weird. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's a very big and it's not a typical aspect ratio. So it's much kind of taller in, in total. So when you're playing certain games and stuff, it's like, wow, there's all this like sky detail and extra things that I didn't see in this ever before because nothing has been able to open across that sort of full width of it. So it, it gives a different experience, but also brings practicalities though, um, just on sort of simple terms. Like if you're in email, you've got your kind of list of emails down the left-hand side, you can scroll through those, but the one you're clicked into is open on the right-hand side. Then you can like flip the phone around and you can have either a full keyboard or you can have a keyboard that's split between left and right. So you kind of got two different thumbs going at it. Um, there's a, a whole kind of raft of possibilities in how the, it, it could continue to be developed into from from a software point of view. Um, 
so it's it's pretty cool it's like i say it's got some great possibilities it's not always practical because of its the way it is this bigger much much bigger kind of unit now this is number three so yeah. do we think they've obviously third iteration in have they cracked it in the sense of like are all the all the things that perhaps you didn't like from the last couple have they now gone and, and fixed or have they just kind of bludgeoned on and there's still issues with it um, there's always going to be some issues in kind of any device. So compared to the previous one, the, the second gen, it's actually not that different. So the main screen inside is the same. The one on the outside is a tiny little bit different. It introduces a faster refresh rate, um, which is nicer, but you're not perhaps going to notice that much. The bigger shift actually is on the inside screen. They've in, uh, introduced a what they call an under panel camera, UPC. So they're kind of hiding what would be a punch hole or a notch literally under the screen, mm-hmm. um, the idea of which is really cool. But when I first saw it, I was like, oh, that's a great idea. That's really good. I haven't really noticed the camera. But then since I, like owning the phone or borrowing the phone for a week as it's been, it's actually a lot more noticeable than I thought, um, particularly on like white backgrounds, because um, it's kind of like a mesh, like a sort of pixel on, pixel off, pixel on, pixel off kind of thing. And it kind of bleeds between those when you've got much brighter light behind. So actually in certain scenarios, Although it's kind of, again, a future-facing kind of nod of like, wow, this is really cool. doesn't always mean it's necessarily better. Um, so I, I think there needs to be work done there. And other companies such as ZTE actually have a better way of implementing that. So kudos to Samsung for trying. But there's little areas where, yes, it will continue to improve and certainly can. I think perhaps with the third-gen device, the thing they've really done is said, hey, we've got all this stuff in it, but it's actually cheaper than, than the last gen was. Um, by cheaper, I mean it's still really expensive. Yeah, it's sixteen hundred quid, but it's less, and you're getting more out of it. So it's showing the trajectory that needs to be headed in to make it like a viable alternative for the everyday person. And as far as that crease, is there a crease? Because that was, I mean, the first iterations of these things, everyone was like, "Oh, you can see yeah. the crease. It's a really good thing. It's annoying after like a couple of folds." Obviously, yeah. I know you only had it a week, so it's yeah. not like a year long test or anything. But was it something that you thought about, or did it just? So the, the, the idea of the crease is a bit of a misnomer anyway, because, yeah, you can see it, but you only really see it if you're not the person using the phone. So if you're kind of looking at it from a weird, like, angle, you'll definitely see the reflection and go, oh, there's a crease there. But I think the people who are going to notice it are those staring at you from across, you know, the tube carriage or whatever going, oh, that's really crazy. What is that? Um, when you're actually using it head on, it's not too bad. You don't really notice that. Um, but as with any of these foldables from any maker, the big pro- I think the biggest problem I have with them actually is because it's a foldable screen, it can't be covered in glass. That's kind of a given. Glass doesn't fold. So you basically have a plastic coating, which inherently is reflective. And actually, I think that's the biggest problem is there's always going to be this reflective quality that's quite poor in, in light, like sunlight. Um, and obviously, then enhances and kind of magnifies any creases and and you know, imperfections are, are more noticeable in that regard. That's going to take a bit longer probably to to really perfect. Um, it's not caused massive problems in the week I've had it. Um, I think the bigger problems previously were it was so new, we had the kind of um, fold gate where people were peeling off the protective layer of the phone back in generation one. Um, and now it's more of a norm thing. So it's kind of like, hey, we know not to do that. It comes with a, a notice in the box saying, please don't do that. Um, and it's just part and parcel of what foldable life is in effect. So you kind of have to know that 
you need to be comfortable with that. And you certainly would need to see the device before having one, I think. Otherwise, you might not quite grasp that this is not two nice. screens. It's one big screen that's plastic coated. Cool. And then so finally, obviously, it's gone back. Are you sad? Or if you could go out and buy these, buy one of these, would you recommend it? It's really hard. I mean, two minds. It's sort of like, it's a bit too big as an everyday thing, mainly in its folded format, actually. It's also massively expensive, but it's a lot of fun. And I think it's kind of, it's so rare in tech that you get something that's like really quite different. And it's so new that it just feels really kind of appropriate to have it and play around with it. Um, and I got very used to it. So I could almost flip a coin on it. I kind of love it. I wouldn't necessarily buy it at this price at this moment, but give it three generations and will it be normal? Mm, who knows? Let's, we'll have to wait and find out. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, Pip Pip. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 